0: here for his monthly rundown of what's happening with the uh, overall economy what he sees out there and uh, rich is uh, got a podcast rich so talk a little about your podcast and and what you have going on over there
1: yeah so my podcast uh, is about the stock market a uh, handful of commodities like the grains and the gold market interest rates a little bit on climate when we're looking for weather problems and then a lot about the economy and it's based on models i've created over 30 years of working for various companies and myself in terms of market analysis and economic analysis and very into business cycles and patterns and it's just really helped out having an understanding how things work during a year during a decade for our economy and some of these markets and i have a website at criticalpointpod.com and that can uh it describes the modeling. Explains something myself, but there's pages there to actually go see a, a list of podcasts we put out on the market and a subscription service.
0: Right on. So, how have you been, Rich? Have been uh been hot and dry up your neck of the woods? Or have been have you been catching some of those rains we've seen on the East Coast?
1: Uh, it's been quite dry. It's it? uh, okay. I've had some land of my own that I've been trying to uh, seed here, and we've had complications all year long. It's just too dry to, to work with it. And I, I don't think I'm going to get it done this year. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how the weeds will grow, though. Nothing else will grow. Yeah, Those no, weeds that, sure will grow. right?
1: That's right. my next problem. I've got to brush hog it here in the next couple of days. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
0: yeah, right on. Well, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here, Rich. We've got, you know, looking at interest rates, and we saw a dip Um, this last uh, report that came out where, uh, interest or inflation wasn't quite as high as expected. Um, it was still, you know, I think they were thinking 9.4 and it was 8.6 or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, something along those lines. Um, you're seeing some, some varying, uh, reports coming out from like the trucking sector, for example, where year over year, um, their numbers are down, but month over month, their, their, their freight numbers are up. So you're starting to see some some correlations there. So I, I mean, I guess as you look at the inflation scenario that we have in front of us right now, um, you're one of the few people that aren't certain we're going to fall off the edge of a cliff. Um, mo- most people are, are jumping up and down and screaming, yelling about this is the one that's going to end, end all to be all type of thing. So I guess looking at this inflation scenario, Rich, you talked about moving into late late fall last time. Uh, in the fall and through late fall that we'd see a peak and then start to see that inflation curve start to shrink a little bit. So I guess what's your thoughts there, and you're still in that same camp?
1: Yes, I am. Uh, I I think there's a good chance it has peaked, but um, and we got a little uh, dip in the percent change of inflation here in this last report. We have another report coming up at the end of the month here, the PCE inflation report, very similar to CPI. But it's actually more watched by the Federal Reserve, whereas in media, they tend to talk about the CPI that normally comes in early to, to mid-month report. And it showed some evidence of rolling over, but you can make an argument it was just a dip within an up trend channel, much like what we talk about in the markets. And so who knows? Maybe it's going to pop yet again on us. But as we look internally, we're seeing various sectors rolling over coming down some are even crashing in their prices and others are not and others are going up so it's still confusing of whether or not we really got a top but you know we can see even this morning target reported some poor earnings well that's partially due they got ahead of another inventory demand backed off from the consumers, so they wound up even larger inventories and they just decided to heck with it lower our prices dump inventory Let's clean some things up. Of course, that hurts their margin. So the business is not looking so good, but they're doing what should be done in a standard economic pre-market system, <laughs> okay? Right. So right. Yep. they ought to be rewarded for being brave enough to say, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot on profits here, and we're going to move product. And I think we're going to hear more stories of that. The real estate businesses, uh, we're up to 16% of uh, real estate deals on houses are now cancellations, and that's, that's quite high so people are backing off they're just saying can't afford all these higher prices and it's starting to work it's trickling through the system now that also hurts the economy of course but unfortunately that's what occurs when we decide to declare war on inflation it's kind of like we don't have any choice things are going too high too fast and we've got to hurt our economy to bring that down and of course the federal reserve has raised their rates to, to help do that but it's really Federal Reserve rates, in my opinion, are not all that high to really hurt the economy. It's more of a psychological thing that just got everybody thinking, you know what? I got to fight to not pay such a high price. I also have to be scared of my debt side. Do I really want to go out there and borrow more money and stuff like that? And so it's working in an indirect way, in a psychological manner. But it is working. And interest rates are well off the high. The 10-year Treasury note uh, was as high as about uh, 3.4%. uh back in uh, june and today we've got about a 2.9 2.8 percent uh rate and i think we've seen the high for the year i think it's we've seen the highest interest rate all the way through next year even uh i am bullish interest rates this decade but i'm no i'm not bullish every single year this is not 1970s early 1980s of just inflation higher and higher and interest rates higher and higher just don't see it Uh, So I think the interest rate market, free market interest rates are done going up. They're just going to wait now in the Fed raising their rates to catch up. And I think there's a good chance the Fed stops raising rates this year. And they may even dip them some next year. And so I I think we've really turned a corner here. I just can't tell you how fast is this inflation coming down. Some people think it's going to crash. And I can see that scenario. I can see how, why it would work. But I can also see it's just going to be a slow decline. And then next year is the year to really bring it down. What I've learned is some people ask me, well, why is the stock market doing so well all of a sudden? And we've still got very high inflation, even if it has topped out. It really hasn't come down much at all. Uh, the thing is, the stock market's already forecasting that we're going to win on this inflation somehow, some way. It's already forecasting, even if we are in a recession, and I do not believe we are, but it's a real iffy scenario right now. um, The stock market is looking out as far as 24 months out. Uh, A lot of these analysts on Wall Street will use rolling forward 12, 24-month forecasts. What they're coming up with is these companies are going to start making more money by next year. And everybody's looking at their stock prices saying, well, boy, they come down a huge amount. Someday that's going to look dirt cheap. Maybe I just ought to buy now. And this is why the stock market almost always bottoms ahead of the end of any kind of recession or economic uh, setback. So to me, it's making sense why the stock market's going higher. Um, I do think uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to see the stock market back off. I just put an alert out to my subscribers this morning. I think it's going to back off some. But I think ultimately, stock market's going higher. The rest of this year is going higher, much higher uh, next year and the following year. In terms of the economy, I like to follow what's called PMIs that come out once a month. gives us a clue of what the GDP is doing. And I think we're going to see the PMIs, if they don't bottom this month, they're going to probably bottom no later in October. And they're going to be working higher next year. And that just means a sign that the GDP, which was minus. For the first and second quarter of this year and that is a definition of a recession the weird thing is we're not seeing how that fits in all of the data it's like some portions of our economy are doing better than ever faster than ever right and yet here and then yet there's some sectors getting hurt and then here's the gdp coming out saying heck the economy's falling backwards what are you talking about? Yet we're getting this conflicting information that it's, it's just one of the strangest of recessions. I think at best, for those who really want to be pessimistic, is we're in a slight recession, a mild recession. We're going to get a soft landing. I don't see this escalating. I just It's just not adding up. And I got far more faith in these business cycles, which have been saying for some time, this is only going to be a setback. This is not a crash and burn moment. Um, Confidence is high. Probability is high. And so far, I feel like I've been right all year long. I thought the economy was coming down early in the year and the forecast is that it would recover late in the year. And we're starting to see some evidence of that. So uh, I just got to follow through with it and be an optimist here. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how great things are going to be. I think the stock markets doing very well. But I could. We may learn. It doesn't do quite as well as I think. But boy, for a scenario of you know, like crash and burn, it's just, just not here. And the same thing for the world. Uh, the world might have more issues than we have, but uh, especially over in Europe. But um, right at the moment, it just looks like next year things are going to be improving here. And. Uh, That's the best I can tell people. I just got to stay the course, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of money made on the upside of the stock market. I just don't think interest rates are going to explode on us, and I think it's about over for inflation. So uh, in terms of inflation, moving higher, you know.
0: Right. Right. So, I mean, as you're looking at um, the overall kind of ebbs and flows that we've seen, like you track in the markets, you know, like we're seeing crude oils come down, Man, it's come down, what, from the high, 50 or 60 bucks from the high to where we're seeing that now. and It's kind of flirting with that that $90 range, and you'll see it jump down like 80 and come back to 92 and kind of go back and forth there. As you're looking at the energy sector right now, with all the struggles we see in Europe, especially, you know, natural gas side and those kind of things, um, what, what, what's your thoughts on energy right now, and and where do you see some real pain points there, and where do you see some some long-term gains that we might see uh, moving forward?
1: Yeah. Uh, model did a really good job catching a top in June. It's been bearish uh, right into this week, and, and uh, we just went for a new low this week for that move. Um, now, it's pretty much touched a, a minimum downside target for me price-wise, and the model is one, and we could see some stability here in coming weeks and maybe in coming months, but it's not forecasting a huge recovery it's actually a long-term bearish oil into next year so that's going to be a my stock market model saying that's a, po- a positive so um and i think that can work i think oil is really only worth about 80 bucks i got 86.50 this morning in the futures here and it may even yet go to 70 next year but i will say some of the big banks or like goldman sachs is well known as a commodity type bank uh, they think gasoline's going back over five bucks. Well, if it is, it's probably gotta be next summer for the driving season, you know. And that may yet that could work, but I don't I don't see that. But at the same time, I don't see oil going down by a huge amount into next year. I think we've already seen a sizable move. It's probably gonna find support in this 70-80 dollar area for a floor price. And next summer, yeah, it can might go back to 110. But I don't see it going back to 120 on up to 130. I think the high of the year was 130. So in my opinion, that means gasoline won't go back to the high of the year either. But this was a strange year in a sense. Uh, oil never really went as high as gasoline. So the oil companies really raked in big dollars. Okay? They really benefited off this inflation business, and they helped cause a lot of this inflation. And I'm thinking next year they're not going to get away with that personally. But if they do, well, then we're going to see gasoline go up more than oil. And it'll probably be higher than I'm thinking right now. But I, I don't think we got $5 gasoline coming next year. And uh, and that's the best I can say at the moment. So uh, so I'm very pleased how the model has worked here since uh, June, saying, yes, it's got to come down. But I, I will say I can allow in the next few weeks a little bit of a rebound in oil. Uh, in oil price, uh, but I, I think for the moment, it's helping my story of bringing down this inflation, and I don't think it's going to, uh, to hurt my lower inflation story, at least over the next few months anyways, that we'll probably have right. to wait to next summer for the driving season where I might get into a little bit of trouble there or something. But uh, Right. And by the way, with this inflation and the crude oil, uh, something I want to mention on gold, I called a long uh, Yeah, that was my, that's my next question, it was gold. <laughs> okay, um, the gold, I tend to follow uh, not necessarily a, a, like a U.S. cash price of gold. I follow a gold fund that's invested in actual gold, so it should be as good as cash. And that fund took out a low in 2021 that I said uh, – gold bulls do not want to see that occur and it did it now it has rebounded back above that price level um but that sent a message model wise we're in a major long-term bear market in the mid-decade for gold now unfortunately in the futures market of gold it did not take the low out so the futures market's got a different idea than the cash market a little bit strange Right. right now and i i think gold's going down into september uh i think uh I think uh bitcoin's probably going down to september i think the stock market may even go down into early september so there's a few little things in the next few weeks here but after that i say the stock market's up maybe bitcoin can recover some but not a lot i think it's kind of damaged goods right now but uh when i look at gold yes it can rebound in coming months but my guess is eventually futures are going to take out that low bottom in 2021. It was a double bottom. I think it's going to take it out and match the cash market. But it may not do it till next year. But I think eventually we'll do it. So therefore, I'm not even if gold wants to move higher in the next few months. I don't see it going all the way back up to the record high. I think it's got problems, and I think part of the reason is the gold market has never really believed in this inflation story. It always assumed they would raise interest rates fast enough. We would fix the supply chain, we would rebalance the supply and demand, get back to a normal economy, and the inflation would come down. And yeah. it's just yeah. fascinating. I mean, these gold guys have been dead serious. And really, the bond market and interest rates, they've kind of sent the same message for some time now that this inflation story isn't going to be around for a long time. Uh, right. we, should have had much, we should have had much higher interest rates than this already. And we're not seeing it I, I think they've i think they've pretty much stalled out they're just saying we're just waiting on the fed to see what they do and i do think the fed can raise another two or three months here but and kind of catch up with the uh with the uh free market interest rates but i, I just uh, i think by next i think by the end of this year the fed will be over and done and uh they're just not going to raise them i don't know if they're going to lower them or not and forecast have said that they probably would lower sometime next year even their own forecast but uh, I don't see a runaway interest rate market. I don't see still higher inflation. And this gold market—it has not been. It's been a horrible hedge for inflation. You know.
0: And- yeah, it's that that reaction that you see Like you would think that the price of gold would be just on a, you know, on a, a rocket ship up. But it's just there's days that fall. I mean, it, there's there's weeks that it lost money. You know, and compared. And that's that's the the one strange thing. I can't hardly put my you know try to figure out there but you know and then you start to look at the cryptos and they've all been imploded so i mean it's just where where do you think that safe hedge is right now for the inflation thing or is it one of those things where that maybe just the the carts ahead of the horse here a little bit and people are overreacting what we're seeing
1: yeah i th- i think what what has worked for a hedge on inflation in the sense of uh something in commodities is not by the gold, but just by some of the individuals, like some of the grains and livestock. Mm-hmm. And it, that has become more popular. And maybe that helps explain some of this in gold, that it's far more popular than we realize. And Wall Street is really into that. I do know there's been some fantastic papers written by some analysts that, you know, use copper to, to hedge for inflation, not gold. So that might be bigger than many of us uh, realize and made an impact here. But my problem, what I've been almost preaching against for three or four months, probably four months at least, um, is don't buy the individual commodities anymore because they already had huge runs up, run ups from 2020 to now. And we're seeing that some commodities are well off their highs or rolling over, others are just stalling out. You know, grains are still kind of high priced there. But to me, there's limited upside. You know, if you're because when most people buy something to hedge inflation, it, it, they like put it in a cookie jar and just set on it. And most of the time they sit on way too long and lose. Okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and it's like, you know, I look at these individual clients. I said, I just cannot imagine being a financial planner or a Wall Street analyst telling people to go out and buy these commodities. And some are.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. and we may see some of that next year in the oil market, even that they'll go back and buy oil as a commodity hedge. But for me personally, I I, I can't do it and I can't tell anybody to do it. I think that ship has sailed and it's, it's over and done with. So when people say, well, boy, if you are worried about inflation, well, how do you do it? And really, people don't realize the stock market has done better than what has been written in books all these years. It has done better in inflation times than what we think. And if you can find individual stocks inside the stock market, that correlate well during high inflation times, and we know there's some companies that make good money out of this inflation. Uh, if you can forecast them to continue to make money, then just add those stocks to your stock portfolio. And yes, you're investing in stocks, but just kind of tell yourself you're also kind of protecting yourself from uh inflation but where am i on this well i only invest in the entire stock market i don't pick individual stocks i do have a hydrogen stock i'm going to set on the next 10 years see what happens but i don't even pay any attention to it it's not any kind of uh heavy duty analysis whatsoever i just said hey i like it buy it (laughs) and uh but mostly mostly i'm in in and out of the stock market during the year and i also will have a portion i set on it for several years and so i don't worry about hedging for inflation and uh, i'm just not interested in that but if people are uh the best forecast i can tell you is stay away from the commodities go into the uh, individual stocks that might work uh, for that inflation scenario and uh so that's where i'm at on that it's just uh but it is it, it, even you know my model forecast of gold having problems for quite some time but i must say uh, even I'm puzzled at gold. You know, we ought to be at twenty four hundred dollars easily on gold, and we couldn't get past two thousand.
0: You know, <laughs> so. Yeah. and so you mentioned earlier. You talked about you know they're you know that gold's not buying this inflation thing. What, what do you think? Where I mean, where do you think that is? At? Is it is more people are focused on? Is the cryptocurrencies made that big of a um, impact? And they're like, well, I mean, we got to if the cryptos are doing X. I mean we're not going to jump on on the gold train because what's happened with the cryptos i mean do you think there's something there that's that's driving some of that
1: i i do think last year that Mm -hmm. was a big impact on gold that uh, they were using crypto they were buying these other commodities and as a basket it worked against gold but crypto has crashed and burned so if if i it looks like the inflation story is over in crypto people are saying it just doesn't work so i'm assuming they already are out if they're not, you know, they have more worries than, than inflation. They're just worrying whether crypto goes back up for them. And right. it certainly has scared away people from uh, buying more crypto to hedge inflation. That, that's over. People are basically saying, no, that's a lousy uh, hedge investment. And, but the interesting thing is people didn't switch back to gold, apparently. You know, uh, they basically just said, I'm done with inflation. And, uh, and I really do think there's a portion of us out there that just feel like everything's so high priced. it's difficult now to buy something to hedge inflation. You kind of just, if you didn't buy it a while ago, there's no sense buying it now. And you might better just sweat it out that if inflation goes higher, yes, it's going to work against you and your personal uh, finances and your stock market, but you might better just sweat it out. You know? Yeah. Yep, that's where I'm at. I can't. Uh, I've said this for several months. A few of the several months now. That I just don't see the value there in trying yeah. to yeah. buy something to hedge inflation.
0: Yep. Okay. So looking at you know this inflationary talk about you know grains and those kind of things you've talked about as you you've talked about this. Uh, Sean Hackett's talked about this. Looking into 23, going into 24. Looking at some some possibilities of some crop failures and what that looks like. How, how are you looking at that now? How are you looking at, you know, some of this like the Ukraine uh, premium that's been taken off the top of that. And some of this heat situation that we've seen, uh, and some drought situations that we've seen, some growing areas. Um, there are some very good crops out there in, in key growing parts of the corn belt and soybean, uh, soybean belt as well. I, I guess as you're looking at things right now, Rich, um, What are your thoughts on that, and and what what are your models telling you moving into 23?
1: Yeah, so basically for this year, I told everybody we got uh, 80% probability that yields should go lower, uh, but I was uncertain about that. I wasn't very confident of it. I set up a range of 172 to 179. Eventually, I moved the lower upside to 174 to 179. And then in recent weeks, I moved it back down to 172. And I also said, I really doubt the yield's gonna be as high as last year or higher or record higher or anything like that. I've had a lower bias and this recent USDA report showed a lower bias and that's primarily for corn. I really don't have high confidence yield projections for soybeans. But on a climate basis, weather basis, and uh, some of the cycle research I do, not only in weather, but also patterns in yield and production, and my model literally labels every fluctuation in corn yield, just like the stock market, grain markets, and we can even do this in temperature and precipitation and production. And I've, what I've said for a few years is we're due for a crop problem. Originally, we we're due for a crop problem 2021 to 2024 and I correctly saw that it wasn't gonna be in 2021. This year, I left the door open to occur, but over time I said, boy, I really think it's 2023, and we may yet learn it delays to 2024, or there's actually gonna be problems both of those years. Well, nothing has changed on that, and it looks like we're not getting that cyclical crop. And for me, I wanna see corn yield down 10 bushel at least. It shouldn't be down as much as 2012, however. The cyclical structure is saying it should be that, should not be that serious, that important. So, uh, but it ought to be a nice setback in yield. Well, we're just not seeing the damage there this year. And uh, so, what I'm thinking is these grain prices can back off into September, they can back off into some kind of harvest seasonal bottom. But my guess is they'll probably start working higher just like they would normally do on a seasonal basis that we'll see demand overtake supply and we'll start moving higher into summer. But what I'm thinking is we could then add to that, this cyclical crop problem. And then that could make an explosive move, put prices right back up to near the highest price we've seen here in the last couple of years. And if not higher, maybe even a record high for something like corn, if we can keep the balance sheet kind of tight. And the balance sheets are still tight, the bin's not going to be full, but what I've warned people here ever since June that if we don't get this sickle crap problem, the market will flip its thinking. Uh, its thinking in the sense of, hey, even if we lost 10% of the crop, the bin is still 90% full as we go into harvest. Why would you pay a high price? You paid the high price later, and I think that's some of the mentality going on here. That yeah, maybe the yield will be off a little bit. Production's going to be off because we planted less and the yields off. And yes, the bin isn't going to be 100% full, but so what, You know, when I go, especially going into harvest. But then they'll change their thinking after that, and I think we'll start working those prices higher. And then, again, if we get that crop problem, now it's going to become even more exciting to the upside. So we could have a nice bull run next year, obviously, if we do get the crop problem. But I have to warn people, this is still iffy, and maybe the problem doesn't show up to 2024. But that's the latest for me. I know there's people looking at things 2025 26 27 they don't know which year but they're still allowing a little later than i and i don't i don't see it and i just got to warn people when we get that up move the next year or two if it's a true crop problem you got to consider prices can be down a huge amount by 2025 2026 Mm -hmm. and i also think by the end of this decade we're going to see the stock market down a huge amount we're going to have an economic recession we're going to see commodities off 20 or 30 percent we may see farmland values come down. So, you know, there's there can still be some beautiful moments. Uh, if you're a farm producer here or you love to be bullish commodities, there's going to be some good moments throughout this decade. But just keep in mind, prices come down quickly as well. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So anyways, yeah, I've been bearish for a while here. I turned bearish to grains uh, late May into June and thought June would be a down month. And it was. I thought we would have got a better bounce than we did going into July uh but fortunately model got right back on to the downside here and i realize there's people out there really concerned this yields are going to come in lower and everybody thinks we've got issues and they're, they're trying to buy this but my model seemed to be a little bit patient here there's probably a, a bit more downside and but i do think feed users and users and some of these commercials they need to think of buying now in the fall just kind of build a position here and uh, things can rebound next year uh europe that could be a bit of a sleeper in the sense that the european markets don't really they're not they're not really saying they got a crop issue and yet boy you see some of the pictures of rivers drying up and uh you know they've had some serious problems but i guess most of those drought problems are not really in the main grain producing areas but it's also possible maybe in coming months we're going to get news and find out uh, those yields are coming down and that can also support the u.s market going into next summer you know so we've got to watch out for that and we're also going to have to watch out for brazil again whether or not they have an issue now they're going to plant more than ever but at the same time they could still have another weather problem so i'm leaving the door open to be bullish uh next year even if they don't get the crop problem we could see a nice uh, rebound into summer here it is something to be concerned about and but i'm not that concerned today i've actually been negative here on uh, grain prices and it's worked for me and i think it can work a little bit longer here
0: right on okay so as you're looking at um i mean i think probably one of the one of the key indicators of of your session and and the stuff we've been talking about here is is housing starts we've seen some information like that come through and 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 what have you about housing starts and lumber prices and those kind of things as you're looking at that sector and you're you're dealing that sector quite a bit up up there in, in uh in new york where you're at looking at the real estate market right now is it as hot as it was you know six months a year ago uh today um as it was then and are you seeing a similar pattern to you know some cooling off in that that we're seeing in other other areas of the economy
1: yeah it's cooling off price wise meaning uh, you can see prices backing off a little bit i would say locally here though the demand has still been strong but i'm not convinced we were strong as, as a lot of part of the nations so it might just be that they're we're lagging the nation from what i'm hearing on the nation not only is prices peaking but the actual demand peaking. The right. cancellations are up 16 percent. so people are shopping more than normal they're trying to slow down they're trying to fight for a little better price but overall I would still call the U.S. and even here locally uh, a strong uh, real estate market but I think it's gonna I think I'll be weak by 2025 is my best model forecast and then probably get a rebound and then it'll be quite weak at the end of the decade uh, when we have a a cyclical recession in this country so and I must say every other decade real estate can kind of almost ignore and sometimes it just flat out ignores a recession but the other decades it does not and towards the end of this decade it's going to be one of those not decades meaning it's probably coming down uh, with the recession and, uh, and the reason for that is when you see that decade that it came down with the recession, you'd normally find just ahead of that, you've got a better up move than those other decades. And we got it. We got a blistering up move and uh, really put those prices up. And so it makes sense to me what's going to happen here later this decade. So anybody buying a house now, you know, I tell them, hey, you might as well assume by the end of this decade you're going to be underwater. It's not going to be like it shouldn't be like what we saw in the 2000s. It's not going to be a blowout where we are be hearing stories of people saying, oh, you know, they can't pay their mortgage and the bank wants more money because the house is worth 50% less. Not going to be anything like that, in my opinion. But um, but I must tell people, and it's so tricky to tell people what to do on a long-term basis because you can say, well, if you buy a house today, you're probably going to be losing a little bit by the end of the decade. But next decade, they're probably going to make money out of it because basically real estate's always gone up. But... Um, at the same time if someone says yeah but i need a house now i don't want to live in an apartment the rest a decade and wait to buy it boy, I tell him, you might better buy it and just sweat it out because there's more to just worrying about the value of your home. I mean, if, it, if it's a better life for you to own your own home, buy it. <laughs> right. And, right. And deal, right. deal yeah. with it later. You know, I even have a relative said, well, he says, boy, I did not want to pay uh, what I paid for that house. But he says, you know, my rent went up to 2400 a month, and I'm sitting there doing the math saying – you know what? Uh, I'd still rather have the home. It's mine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, and and that's what's holding this market up still, even though things are backing off a little bit. People are basically saying, "Yeah, but I want the house, and I'll sweat it out." And so, I don't see a real disaster for people. You might hear of individuals taking a hit here by the end of the but I'm not. I don't want to scare people away here. You want the house, go ahead and get it. And but I do think it's worth trying to shop a little bit if you can get the price back off a little bit here because hey these higher interest rates higher mortgages you can see it on these weekly reports interest rates go up next week you find out mortgages uh were down and and then if interest rates are down you suddenly see mortgages up so people are watching that and uh they're trying to shop and that's the best i can tell you still a strong real estate market but people are shopping more than they used to They're, they're trying to get the price better and get the interest rate better
0: right on well, Rich, I think, I think that's a good place to stop. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're painting that picture. and I, Like I told you last time you were on here, you're, you're, you're talking about things differently than, than what I hear out there. So uh, very contrarian in, in, your, uh, in your approach to what you see happening here. So I guess uh, kind of sum it up here, Rich, looking back through the end of 22 going into 23, what are your thoughts there and what are you paying attention to?
1: Yeah, um, economy, I do want to see the PMIs, of course, recover. I want to see the GDP turn positive. And I, I wouldn't be surprised it turns positive as of this quarter here. Um, but, but if I'm wrong on that, then by the end of the year. And, uh, and I just feel like, yeah, the, the economy is going to get back to normal next year, but back to normal still going to be a strong economy. Yes, GDP might not go as high as it well was a little while ago. That's good enough for me. I don't care. As long as it's positive, I'm happy. Uh, the economy still growing. Businesses are going to make money. You're going to see some businesses starting to lose because they basically made too much in the last two or three years. Right. You know, they, right. They've got some frosting on the cake with all this money printing and everything. So we're just shifting gears where some companies are going to start making more. Some companies are going to make less. And this is why I don't like picking stocks. It's a lot of work, and I can beat most of these stock pickers just by betting on the entire stock market. And I really think uh, the stock market next year, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I'm using a two-year forecast rather than a one-year forecast, but I think from now into 2024, the S&P is going, where are we now? And uh, about 4,300. I think it's going to 5,400, maybe in 57. I think there's a good chance to make 30% on your money here in the next two years in the stock market. To me, that's still the best place to be not necessarily the farmland the real estate um and not necessarily commodities but if you're a short-term trader in commodities if you can catch that weather problem next year you may beat the stock market so right, it is something right. to, It is something to think about some of, some of these other possibilities but right at the moment for the 90 percent of the americans uh they just want to stay in the stock market and try to make the best of it i i just uh, i don't see anything and i am looking at these people saying everything's still going to crash and burn but and some of it's very good analysis, but I've learned it's poor on timing. It doesn't have the predictability to actually occur now. They may be right someday, in other words, but not today. And uh, so I'm going to stay with my uh, forecast. It's making me money easy, even as of today here. I've uh, done quite well. I got out earlier in the year, got back in. Uh, could have done a little better uh, getting out at a higher price and back in a lower price than do those do in 2020. But never, nevertheless, uh, I'm, I'm I'm ahead of the game and uh and so it's just working for me and I'm just gonna let the model keep telling me what to do and the model's saying uh stay optimistic and bullish into next year. Right on.
0: Okay. Well good stuff Rich. I mean you're gonna be at the Movie Nine Summit coming up here in Nashville uh September sixth, seventh and eighth. You're uh you're kinda kicking things off there on the sixth with uh what you've what you've been talking about here. So looking forward to hearing that uh uh presentation that you're gonna give so um if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing, Rich, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, go to criticalpointpod.com and uh, you'll find information about myself and the modeling, some free stuff. But look, uh, there's some pages there. One page will take you right to a separate site that has all the videos listed and audios. Some of them are free. Mostly or some are locked up for a subscription, but give the subscription a try. I, I run a high retainer like, percent most people say, yeah, I got something different from everybody else, and they want to plug it into whatever else they're they're doing here.
0: Right on. Okay. So check that out. You're over on uh, Twitter at Rich underscore Poston as well, so go follow him there. Good place to check that out. Rich, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and I apologize for all the technical difficulty this morning getting things fired up.
1: It happens to all of us.
0: (laughs) Technology is great when it works, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this podcast on the... uh, Uh, youtube channel moving iron podcast youtube channel as well so uh moving iron is coming up here in nashville tennessee september 6th 7th and 8th i have like one spot left so if you're interested in doing that last minute give me a shout i'll get you i'll get you uh signed up for that but probably after this week we'll probably be uh be sold out so looking forward to uh seeing everybody down there it's a good time and uh it's a great time to to get information from guys like rich and sean and those guys so if you're interested in doing that, send me an email at moving iron podcast at movingironpodcast.com, or you can jump right there on the uh, upper right-hand corner of the website at movingironllc.com and just fill out the form there, and we'll get you signed up. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Rich Posson. Let's go do some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment.